0: Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined once again by David Lake. Uh, First, before we get into this, I just want to thank our listeners. We're still in the initial stages of putting this podcast together, but the feedback we've received has been pretty positive, both from you uh, and our bosses. So uh, thank you. All right. So, David, let's kind of get right into this thing. Uh, biggest, I guess, news item that has happened. It's been a very newsy week on the Miami Beat. Uh, Derek Smith, uh, the safety who was fighting for uh, one of those starting uh, spots uh, following uh, Sheldrick Redwine and Jaquan Johnson graduating. He's entering the transfer portal. Your uh, an initial takeaway on this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough in terms of just overall depth. I think... It was a sign, and this was kind of, we thought this was where it was heading, but it's a sign that kind of uh, Gervin Hall and Amari Carter had locked down the starter, starting job at safety. Now, I do think Derek Smith was going to rotate in and, and maybe get some playing time in some sub packages, and the same could be said about Robert Knowles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I th- and look, honestly, Derek Smith, he stepped his game up during camp. And I think he made a push. He made a case to to be a starter. Um, I kind of agree with the decision to go with Amari. Um, but you know, so Derek wants to play obviously, and now he's going to look for an opportunity to do that. And I can't blame him.
0: To me, it's just a little weird. I, I don't know why, but when we were, I was on campus Tuesday. Like we were, I showed up for the media day. I saw him like walking around outside the facilities. But then I guess I never really realized he wasn't made available to the media and then he wasn't at practice. And they said it was a, a personal reason. I I just for my, my my thing is the coaches really, I felt like, hyped him up here. They were talking about how he's been forcing all these turnovers. But at the end of the day, I mean, I just don't see this as that big of a loss. Pro football focus graded him out as Miami's worst defender last season. Uh, for guys who have played a minimum of at least 100 snaps, the year before that it was the same thing, and he was also the worst guy in coverage. Now I know last year he played in that striker role, uh, which is a little bit different, but he was thrown out 10 times, and the the receiver caught the ball nine times. So I, I and, and then on the flip side, Amari Carter played three more snaps than Smith last season, and he graded out up in the uh, close to 80% in, in coverage. So uh, I just I. From a, maybe a special team standpoint, this kind of hurts because now you're down a veteran body and a guy who has played a lot of special teams here uh, over the past two seasons, but I don't really think it's much of a loss, especially with the addition of Bubba Bolden now that he's on campus uh, and, and should be in pads here uh, this week. Yeah, I
1: think I think that is part of it. I think Derek could see the writing on the wall that it's probably a matter of time, honestly, before Bubba is a big part of the playing rotation and also just maybe even as a starter. Like I do think he, Bubba is going to push Amari during the second half of this season. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, Derek's going to move on and and wish him all the best. He definitely put in some work this off season. And, And I agree. He hasn't necessarily been great during his UM career, but I do think he's improved this off season and he maximized his own talents during camp. And we saw with our own eyes, he was making some plays. He was doing a lot of good things, uh, so yeah, I mean I think right now you're looking at a top 4 of Gervin Hall and Amari Carter as the two starters. I think to start the season, you're going to see Robert Knowles as the main guy rotating in in some spots. And I think Bubba Bolden's going to get a, maybe a few snaps against Florida, but primarily on special teams is where he's going to start and he's just going to see his role increase as the season goes on.
0: Yep, uh transitioning now to that media day i was talking about miami um made everyone pretty much available there on tuesday the coaches met with us uh the players both offense and defense met with us and and manny diaz had a a press conference there uh what were your kind of initial takeaways from this whole thing it seems like jaron williams was the center of attention i mean everyone was talking about him he had by far the biggest media scrum around him what do you kind of think about him. And and more importantly, I know you wrote something about all his teammates, their reaction to him, uh, getting that starting job.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of the first, it was the first day that, uh, Jaron was kind of the starting quarterback at Miami, which means, you know, you are one of the key faces of the program and, and have to conduct yourself that way with the media, which is an important job for the starting quarterback. And overall he did, he did a very good job with that. He's always been very comfortable, very confident, with the media and answering questions. Um, So, you know, that was good to see him continuing to do that. I think we also got to talk more with with Manny and Dan in terms of why it turned out to be Jaron, And really, both guys said it was super close going into this last scrimmage. And really, you could have made a case for any of the three, which is kind of what we felt too, to be honest. And it seemed like Jaron separated from the pack in that scrimmage. And particularly, both of them hinted that Jaron kind of showed he flashes this knack for buying time in the pocket, and that allows Miami Speedy receivers even more time to get open, and he found ways to find those guys. So I think last year we saw maybe Nikosi doesn't have the best pocket presence that you would want in your starting quarterback. And I think Tate Martell's just more of a one-read-and-then-take-off kind of guy with his scrambling and... And he will by time a little bit, but he's not super comfortable in the pocket either. So I think those that factor in, particularly, in particular played a role in Jaron winning the job. And, and I think, too, they're excited about his potential to grow with him being only a redshirt freshman.
0: It seems like a lot of guys were excited that it was him. Um, I spent some time talking with Brevin Jordan, and it seems like everyone kind of assumes that Brevin's Real close with Tate Martell. They both played in high school together. They're both from Las Vegas, but then he goes. Jaron's my best friend. You know, when Jaron almost transferred back in in December, right during that bowl prep for the uh, the Penn Stripe bowl, he was in a car with Jaron and, and kind of convinced him to stay when Jaron's parents were saying, "Let's leave. Let's enter to the portal." So, it seems like a lot of guys are kind of rallying around him, and I think a lot of. Uh, Maybe the pass catchers are on offense are are excited that he's the guy. And I think that's a testament to what exactly you said, Jaron's ability to look downfield, read a defense, make a decision and and just distribute the ball.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, especially at the college level, the team needs to believe in their quarterback. And I think this team believes in what Jaron can do. And they've seen that this offseason he's put in a lot of work to get better and everyone I talked to about Jaron hinted that, you know, that kind of wasn't the case with him last year. He was frustrated that he wasn't playing and and got down on himself. But as soon as the coaching change happened and he kind of recommitted to himself to, you know, being serious about the quarterback position, he's been full go. And, you know, funny thing, I know everyone's talked about how he has uh, really done a good job of changing his body, getting in better shape. And Al Blades was telling me that, he was joking, but he was telling me that one of uh, Jaron's goals this spring, this off-season, was to try and get abs. So jaron has <laughs> been doing a ton of sit-ups after practice. He'll do sit-ups at night. He's trying to get abs. And I went and talked to Trajan Bandy just about what Jaron brings about to, with his leadership to the team. And I didn't even tell Trajan about the ab thing, but he was uh, he was telling me, he was like, one night, uh, it was super late, like 11 o'clock at night, I came to the facility to get a little workout in on my own, and uh, I saw in the weight room there was one light on, and I could see there was only one dude in there doing work, and I went closer in, and it was Jaron Williams in there by himself doing abs. And I was like, oh, man, I heard he was trying to do trying to get some abs this year. So, you know, people that was just a funny light story. But but on a serious note, I think a lot of the guys do see the the leadership qualities that you look for in a quarterback. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it how it goes with Jaron when he is thrown into the fire. I know I'm I'm excited to see how it goes.
0: That's so funny, just because remember when we saw Jaron, I think it was last summer ordering a sub. (laughs) <laughs> at that <Right>. sub shop <laughs> with the extra mayo, and now he's completely 180'd, and he's the guy who's probably not even eating bread, just trying to get shred down. Uh, he's for definitely, the starting...
1: he's he looks way better. I mean, this has been documented many times, and you can tell he's he's put a lot of work in that way. I think one thing I want to bring up too with you, Andrew, is uh, in terms of just like announcing the starting quarterback this early, I think you could have made an argument either way on it, with, you know, the bad side of it would be, well, why would Miami want to let Florida know who the quarterback is? Um, you know, it, it, it's somewhat of a advantage for Miami to not let Florida know. So Florida will have to prepare for all three quarterbacks, but then on the flip side, and this is what Manny brought up yesterday is, you know, look, I, Manny wants a quarterback situation where, look, everyone knows this is the guy we're going to support our guy. We're going to rally around him. And he thinks there's some value in that for the offense and for the team. And And when you made that case, I can kind of see where he's coming
0: from. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I would agree with it. I think this was the way to go. And I just keep circling back to last season and how Diaz was a part of Mark Rick's staff, and they, they juggled quarterbacks, and I think he just kind of lost the locker room. Uh, Mark did, and the team was a little bit split. I mean, uh, you had the defense playing a, a championship level of defense, and then no one could do anything on offense. So I think this is this is absolutely 100% the right move to to name it now. Now your, your focus and preparation shifts towards Florida. Jaron knows he's going to be the guy. He's not worried about it. He can kind of start mentally preparing like that Dan can can prepare him like that and I I just he's doing it by the textbook like I like I said I think in the previous podcast and I've said in the past I I just wasn't sure if he was actually going to follow through and make this decision the way he did and and I'm glad he did and that that leads me to believe that he's going to give Jaron a a probably a, a pretty big leash I mean if things go south pretty fast against Florida I don't expect him to turn to Tate Martell assuming he's still there or Nicosi Perry it seems like he's pretty confident that they've made the right decision I agree that I
1: think they're all in on Jaron and they're going to ride with him I, I want to get your sense though Andrew do you think there's any chance that that in some situations they bring Tate in uh, in a package to accentuate his athleticism or use him as a threat that way maybe for like a play or two I don't
0: I I, I honestly don't I mean do you
1: I mean it doesn't sound like they want to so I guess I'll take them at their word but uh... I, I
0: just I I don't see it I mean this isn't Mark Rick's offense last year when there was times when they they put DJ back in the backfield to to take a direct snap I, I just think that Dan, Dan doesn't is too too advanced with his game planning to, to really get into that and Unless they think that's going to keep Tate on the roster, I just I just can't right. see them developing a, a change of pace. It just it doesn't seem like it would go with the flow of this offense in any way. I mean, I could be completely wrong. I just I can't I can't see it.
1: I agree. I think and Dan was pressed on this during media day. Dan Enos and he said, you know, he he said pretty strongly like right now it's not in the plans to get a second quarterback in the game. He said, you know, you never know how things go with, you know, during the course of a game. But right now it's just full on Jaron. So we'll see. It's interesting. I think you could make a case for it, maybe in some short yardage situations. If you want to put Tate in as a runner, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it does seem like they they are all in on just riding with Jaron.
0: All right, shifting gears away from Jaron Williams. I know we got some. I would say first initial impressions of of some of these transfers. You already you already mentioned uh, Bubba Bolden. I know you spoke with him. We both spoke with Trayvon Hill. Uh just what did you think of Trayvon yeah. Hill because he's like a pro like, he, I almost viewed him as like talking to a pro
1: Yeah it's different you know it, it's always different when you bounce around and go from talking to like a freshman to talking to like a fifth year senior guy like like Trayvon Hill is because you know when you talk to Trayvon you're dealing with a guy who's kind of almost a fully grown man he's very confident and doesn't mince his words, and, and really the, the big takeaway I got from Trayvon is the guy just seems like an alpha dog. You know what I mean? Like He is a leader. He's a grown man. He has a business-like approach to this season. He knows if he comes to Miami, balls out, it's going to make a strong case for the NFL draft coming up after this year, and that's his goal, and he certainly is a pro in terms of talent. And I think he's excited with this defense. He he mentioned to me, you know, look, this is probably the most talented defensive line I've ever been on. And he really he he's really impressed with the young guys, which we can touch on later. Um, but overall, I think he's going to be a really strong addition to the the defensive line rotation. And look, I, I honestly do believe, especially at edge, it is like two, two and a half deep legitimately on on the defensive end side of things with this line and Trayvon is going to be a a big time part of that
0: it is I I was going down up and down the rows and I was like oh man Greg Russo is part of this defensive end rotation and he's like right. a guy you almost forget about and then Jafari Harvey he's 6'3 240 um doesn't even look like a freshman anymore it's they have some dudes there and if you can keep rotating these guys and keeping them fresh it's I think it's going to cause a lot of problems. And uh, I did a a radio hit, I think with with someone in Georgia yesterday, and they're asking me about losing Gerald Willis and Joe Jackson. And if there's going to be a drop on the drop off with this defensive line, And I'm like, I I honestly think the defensive line might be one of the strengths of this team. And which is almost crazy to think about.
1: Right. No, I agree. I think, I think you could argue maybe Trayvon is going to be better than Joe Jackson was last season. Now, we'll see. He has to show it. But I think he, he can be that type of productive. And one other thing I wanted to bring up with him is I know you reported earlier in the summer that, that he was he had some shoulder surgery that he was still recovering from. He said at media day that that's all good now. He doesn't feel any pressure, any pain in his shoulder at the moment. And then also earlier in camp, Coach Stroud, the defensive line coach, mentioned that Trayvon was still kind of working himself into football shape and you know now at this time he says he's all good with that too So those are two good things to hear I guess in terms of his
0: health and, and where things are at with that That's good to know because I I think he's Like you said I, I that take about him probably having a chance to have a better season than than Joe Jackson might Catch some people off guard, but I, I think it's 100% accurate. I think he's just bends a lot better and he's he just looks the part Um, Chigoze Naruka, the other defensive lineman you spoke with, um, the grad transfer out of UCLA, what was your first, first takeaway with him? Yeah,
1: he's another guy who, who comes across as just a mature guy. He's a, he's another fifth year senior type. Um, he said he came to Miami because he really wanted to play in Miami system. You know, he knows full well that, that he is a, A three technique specialist type of defensive tackle he's not the biggest dude necessarily but he's quick he plays low fires off the snap and he can wreak havoc in the backfield on certain certain plays and he feels like miami can accentuate that i mean that was essentially why he left ucla because when chip kelly was hired there they installed a different type of defense more of a two gap type defense up front and and Chigozzi is definitely more of a, a one-gap style player. So he said right now he's working mainly with the second team, but that's not a concern to him at all because with the way this defensive line is going to work this year, um, the first team and second team aren't going to be that far apart in terms of snaps. So he's going to be on the field a ton. He's excited too about you know the defensive line room that he walked into. And and he told me, like, look, I think, we can be the best defensive line in the country. And, you know, he's obviously confident about that, and that could be hyperbole, but I kind of like where his head's at right now.
0: We keep talking about the defensive line, but a few of the offensive linemen were made available to the media. I spoke with, with Zion Nelson there for a little bit. Uh, it continues to look like he's going to be the guy on the left side uh, against the Gators. He told me if I, he had no idea that his first start would probably be be, be uh, week one as a true freshman. He's, he thought he was two or three years away. Uh, just, uh, is he ready for this, David? I mean, what do you think? I think he looks the part, but it seems like this is still something to kind of monitor. Um, wh- yeah. When, when I, it's, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think Miami fans are just going to have to be patient. Like, I do think he's talented. I do think the future is very bright, but, He's going to go, he's going to line up game one against Florida and, you know, look, Florida's got some dudes on the D line and, uh, I think Zion, didn't he tell, didn't he tell you that basically, uh, he didn't even, he didn't expect to play for how long?
0: Well, like two years. That's what he said. Two years. Right. So,
1: so, you know, I think he's probably, his head is probably spinning a little bit and, you know, but, but look, obviously Miami likes what they see so far and, they feel like he'll be able to step up to the plate. And we've alluded to this before, but I expect Danny Enos to, to certainly put together a game plan to kind of hide the offensive line deficiencies. And to be honest, too, I think the sense I get is that Miami feels better about their left tackle situation than their right tackle.
0: Which is surprising. And I, it seems more and more like John Campbell's going to be the guy. We reported that he took... Uh, all the first team reps in that scrimmage this past Saturday, it seems like he's moved past Kylie on Herbert. Um, And I'm really interested to see how that goes. We've, you've brought it up in the past. We think he's probably a better run blocker than he is a a pass blocker. Um, But he seems to be pretty confident. they, (laughs) they They might
1: like, I mean, they might want like, I mean, obviously you want your tackles to be good at, at pass protecting as well, but, you know, maybe they look at, look, man, maybe John Campbell does do some things on the right side that allows you to pick up a lot of yards running the ball. And I know after this second scrimmage, Manny Diaz made it clear, like, look, we ran the ball really well. He was happy with that. So maybe John Campbell had something to do with that. I don't know.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Um, While we're talking about media day, I just wanted to mention some more of those freshmen. I I had a chance to speak with uh, Jason Blissett and And Gerard Harrison Hunt and Jalar Hawley. And aside from those guys all looking exactly the part, I mean, when they stood up and were kind of joking around with each other, uh, they just also seem to be very confident with where they are. Jalar Hawley told me, we're trying to form this bond. And uh, eventually, a few years from now, be the next Shaq Quarterman and and Mike Pinkney and Zach McLeod. And I thought that was a pretty... yeah. I guess unique statement I think it's maybe part of the culture that that Diaz is breeding here you know where you you compete and you kind of grow into your role yeah I think you know just we've touched on it
1: before too but from what we've seen in practice they look like some special guys here for the future and then just physical body type wise they're definitely pretty looking defensive tackles so which is a very 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 good sign for the University of Miami defense moving forward because That's that is probably the position that is the hardest to find in South Florida and the state of Florida, to be honest. So the fact that Miami has three three that look like they're going to be good and, you know, two that look like they're going to be pretty special. I think that's that's pretty exciting.
0: So not to put you on the spot here, but which, I guess, true freshman are you expecting uh, to see the field uh, August 24th in Orlando?
1: I think right now you look at Jason Blissett. I would pick him to be the guy who plays first. Um, but to add to that, Andrew, I think for, just from what I've observed in terms of the way a guy's moves, like in terms of highest ceiling, who can be the best of the three, I think it's Jared Harrison Hunt.
0: Uh, I was just talking uh, freshman in general. I know we got Zion Nelson probably penciled into uh, okay. play. I mean, who else do you think would pl- is going to play in that first group? Yeah, so it would be
1: Zion. I think Jafari Harvey is going to be used as a pass rusher in those third and obvious passing situations. Um, I don't I don't know if Peyton, Jeremiah Peyton, is going to play that much in game one. He might get on the field a little bit, but I think he'll be a guy who grows into the season. Uh, and then, you know, I think we'll see a bunch of, like, special teams guys like Keontre Smith. Uh, I think Sam Brooks might play on special teams, the linebacker. Um, but really I think you're looking at Nelson, Zion Nelson, the left tackle and Jafari Harvey, the pass rushing specialist right now, uh, as the two main freshmen.
0: Am I missing anyone on the no, top I, of my I, head? No, I, that's, that's kind of what I would go with. I, I just bring it up. Cause I know you wrote a good article here a few days ago for us, just saying how, um, which guys Miami's probably going to rely on, on offense. And I think it was Something that yeah. you're absolutely spot on. I mean, it's week zero uh, in, a, in a high pressure game. And it seems like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep these rotations pretty tight. Right. I think,
1: you know, in these type of games, these the coaches, and I think it's the right call, they go with guys who they know they can trust to execute the assignment. And freshmen in, in the first game of their career at the college level are going to commit a lot of mental errors. So I wouldn't expect too many freshmen to play. I think I alluded to in that article, Andrew, that I wouldn't necessarily even expect a lot of the sophomore receivers to play that much. Guys like Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, Brian Hightower. I think they'll get on the field and I think they'll see some snaps, but I think the main guys at receiver that we're going to see is like Mike Harley, Jeff Thomas, KJ Osborne. I would expect to see those three guys play the majority of the snaps at receiver.
0: While we're talking about this uh, Florida game, I found it interesting. The line has remained steady uh, at seven points. The Gators are favored by seven since news that, that uh, Jaron Williams will be the starting quarterback, but the over under has actually dropped uh, three points. It went from fifty and a half and a half to 47 and a half, according to the Vegas insider consensus since Monday. Uh, are, is everyone trying to finally realizing what we've been saying all along, that this is probably going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. I mean, I still expect it
1: to be a low scoring game and Okay. If it is 47 and a half, Andrew, would you bet the over or under on that? Because I think I would take the under.
0: I, I would still take the under as well. And we can kind of get more, you know, I'm sure, sure we'll preview more on the line. But this just to me has a low score written all over it. And I found it, an interesting nugget that came out from our colleagues at Swamp 247 here on Wednesday is that uh, UF's projected starting right tackle, Gene DeLance, spotted on crutches, which means... I mean, it, it, we're 10 days out from the game. I, I don't know if he's going to play or whatnot, but I, I find that interesting. And if if their already relatively unexperienced line is without a projected starter, that's got to be good news for Miami. Yeah,
1: I mean, one of the keys to Miami winning the game against Florida is their defensive line has to whip Florida's offensive line because that's one of, that's probably their biggest weakness on offense is their offensive line. They're replacing, I think, four starters that they lost from last year. So it's a, you know, it's a veteran group, but it's inexperienced. They don't, they haven't played much in those starter roles. So Miami's got to win that matchup if they have a chance to win the game. And, and obviously injuries can affect things big time on an offensive line, because as we know with Miami, the drop-off from the first team to the second team can be significant.
0: Well, 10 days out, we're getting closer and closer. Um, That's going to do it for today's quick podcast. Just kind of wanted to Share some thoughts from media day. Talk about Derek Smith uh, leaving the team. Make sure you guys are checking out twenty four excuse me, Miami.247sports.com over the next few days. I'm sure we're going to have a ton of stuff up by the time you're probably listening to this. I'll have some recruiting articles up. David, anything else from you?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, Florida game's right around the corner. We're going to be churning out some Florida-centric uh, content, just kind of breaking down what they bring to the table and I can definitely feel it. It's it's definitely here, and I'm excited for it.
0: All right, next time, guys, we'll see. We'll we'll see you. Take care.